Welcome to Star Trek Age of Discovery. I'm Adele Austin Anderson. And I'm Gary Anderson. And we're a married couple who are longtime fans of Star Trek. Today we're breaking down Charades, the fifth episode of Season 2 for Star Trek Strange New Worlds. We'll conclude our podcast with the latest Star Trek news. Before we begin, please remember our analysis contains spoilers, so if you haven't yet watched the episode, you may want to do so before listening to our comments. Now, Gary, let's start off with the synopsis for Charades. In this comedic episode, the Enterprise travels to the Vulcan system to provide time for the study of the moon of Kirchhoff in an attempt to discover what had become of the ancient civilization that vanished. According to legend, the Kokovians were known for their advancements in medicine that may even rival current Federation practices. The mission allowed for downtime on the ship, which afforded more socialization opportunities between crew members. Nurse Chapel also took advantage of the time to study for her candidacy for a two-month-long fellowship with the Vulcan Science Academy. Spock received a communication from his fiancée, T'Pring, that her mother, T'Pril, has insisted they arrange to conduct the Vishal ceremonial engagement dinner while Spock is in the area. T'Pril is opposed to Spock and T'Pring's engagement since he is biracial, both Vulcan and human. However, T'Pring hopes the traditional dinner will help to alleviate tensions regarding their engagement. Spock and Nurse Chapel are assigned to take a shuttle to fly by and make observations of the Kirchhoff moon. All seems well until an anomaly appears, with Spock, which Spock identifies as a rupture in space-time. Suddenly, they lose control of the shuttle, and it appears Spock and Chapel are in grave danger. Spock awakens in the sick bay, surrounded by Pike, Dr. Mbenga, and Chapel. Pike tells him he and Chapel have been involved in a shuttle accident. Somehow, Chapel received medical attention that saved her life by some unknown force, probably related to Kokovian civilization. Life-saving medical attention was also provided to Spock, but the process led to him be- being turned fully human. Back on the bridge, Uhura is able to make contact with the Kirkovians. The situation is explained to a non-corporeal interdimensional entity which calls itself Yellow. Yellow explains that the shuttle was damaged when it collided with their transport tunnel. Yellow felt obligated to save the lives of the occupants using the same medical instructions for Spock they had used for Chapel. Since Yellow believed they had fulfilled their obligation to remedy the situation, they felt nothing else needed to be done. For Yellow, there was no need to continue the discussion, so she ended the communication. Spock now faced the daunting prospect of having to participate in the Vashal dinner as a full human, knowing it would not pass muster with his future mother-in-law. His mother, Amanda, came aboard and quickly surmised he was not himself. However, she assured him she would get him through the ritual by teaching him to lie like a human. Amanda, as well as Pike and other bridge officers, coached Spock on how to act Vulcan, while Mbenga and Chapel searched for a cure to return the science officer to his former self. 
Spock tries his best, but his unbridled emotions often get the best of him. T'Pring arrived bored, exacerbated by her mother's negative attitude towards their engagement. Not wanting to burden her with another concern, Spock decides not to tell his fiancée about his condition. The Vashal dinner is staged in Pike's quarters, where the captain has also prepared Vulcan delicacies. Although Sevet, T'Pril's submissive husband, appears amenable to Pike's hospitality, his wife seems wholly unreceptive to such gestures. Meanwhile, since she and Mbenga had, had no luck in developing a cure for Spock, Chapel enlists the help of Uhura and Ortegas to take a shuttle near the transport tunnel in an attempt to make contact with the Kokovians again. Risking their lives, they are brought into Kokovian space and try to convince Yellow to return Spock to his former state. When Yellow asks Chapel why he's important to her, she says it's because he is her friend. Yellow asks why Spock had diverted the shields to protect her when they were experiencing trouble with the shuttle. Chapel is surprised by the revelation, while Ortegas and Ohura urged her to be more forthcoming about her feelings towards Spock. Chapel then admits to Yellow she feels connected to Spock in a way that is more than just being a friend. Back on the Enterprise, the dinner has gone well until they get to the ritual of awareness, where unfiltered perceptions about Spock and T'Pring are provided by Amanda and T'Pril. Spock sits in silence as T'Pril accuses him of abandoning her daughter and being a disgrace by choosing Starfleet over his own people. Spock excuses himself to go to the bathroom, where he screams into a towel. Spock reemerges and is told it is time for him to perform a mind meld with his mother to elicit a memory. To stall for time, Pike interjects that it is time for a human tradition, charades. <laughs> Just as Spock asks about the rules, Chapel appears with a hypo spray. She says contains vitamins for Spock. The two go into the bathroom where she tells him the hypo spray actually contains the cure to help him return to his former self. After the hypo spray is administered, Spock returns to the dinner and performs a mind meld with his mother. He seems moved by the experience as he reveals it concerns an ordinary day in which his mother walked him to school. T'Pril reluctantly admits Spock successfully completed the ceremonial ritual despite faults beyond his control, as she calls them. No longer willing to passively accept T'Pril's verbal assault on his human ancestry, Spock asked her if she thought it would be impossible for a human to complete the Vashal ritual. When T'Pril answers in the affirmative, Spock tells her she was mistaken and discloses he had been fully human throughout the entire ritual. Spock also disputes T'Pril's assessment of his human heritage as a handicap. He reveals that during his mind meld with his mother, he learned how resilient, empathetic, and tolerant she had been in contrast to Vulcans who continuously assessed her abilities. 
He only regretted he had not recognized those qualities earlier. Later, T'Pring confronts Spock to ask why he had not told her about his compromised position. When he tells her he wanted to spare her the issue, she counters by saying he had told others on the ship but not her. She tells him under the circumstance they should put a pause on their engagement. Chapel learns she was not accepted for, to the Vulcan Science Academy Fellowship Program. However, she is not disappointed in, in the decision since she has a newfound confidence in her abilities due to her experience with the Kirkovians. Just as Spock decides to leave his quarters, he finds Chapel at his door. He informs her that T'Pring has decided they needed time apart from each other. He confesses he agreed with the decision since he is conflicted by his feelings for someone else. Chapel then kisses him passionately. When he asks about the meaning of her action, she tells him to shut up and kisses him again with no resistance from Spock. Yes. So now let's move on to credits. Charade was written by Catherine Lynn and Henry Alonzo Myers. The episode was directed by Jordan Canning. Michigan native Catherine Lynn has worked in the entertainment industry in a variety of positions for the past 20 years. Four years ago, this Star Trek superfan finally got her foot in the door of the Star Trek universe when she was hired as a canon consultant for Star Trek Lower Decks. Her role on the show was later expanded as a writer and executive story editor for season two of Lower Decks. She is currently the supervising producer for season two of Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Catherine is also the inspiration for the Lower Decks character, Talyn. Mm. If you want to learn more about this Filipino-American producer and writer, check out her interview in episode 29 of the podcast, All the Asians on Star Trek. Henry Alonzo Myers is a veteran television writer and producer. Along with Akiva Goldsman, he currently serves as showrunner and co-executive producer for Strange New Worlds. Myers is best known for his work on such hit series as Charmed, CSI, Ugly Betty, Chuck, and The Magicians. Prior to this, Myers wrote the Strange New Worlds episodes Children of the Comet, Spock Amuck, and The Quality of Mercy, episodes 2, 5, and 10 from last season. Canadian Jordan Canning is an established director of film and television. Among her many critics, she has directed multiple episodes of the TV series Space Riders Division Earth, Schitt's Creek, and The Baroness Von Sketch Show. Charades is her first directing credit for Strange New World. So you can see why she was so deaf with handling all the comedy in this right, episode. exactly. Yeah, as well as the drama. So she, so that's, that's good, yeah. I'm a big fan of Schitt's Creek. Um, let's move on to the analysis. In Charades, Spock and Chapel encounter a non-corporeal interdimensional alien species that turns Spock into a full human right before he is expected to participate in an important Vulcan marriage ritual. The theme of charades is sacrifice. We find out that Spock diverted the shuttle shields to protect Chapel when they entered the space-time vortex. 
Uhura and Ortegas also put their lives in danger when they accompanied Chapel back to the vortex to contact the Kirkovians for help. But most importantly, Spock finally acknowledges how much his mother, Amanda, has sacrificed to be his mother within Vulcan society. She lives in a culture that holds her in contempt. She loves a man who will never be as demonstrative about his love for her as she would like. And she had to stand by and do nothing as she watched Spock seek acceptance from other Vulcans. The insults Amanda endures from Tapril is just more examples of what she had experienced for decades. Let's get into our first impressions. Charade is, at first, a comedy, and secondly, an exploration of Spock's deeper emotional complexities in his relationships with Christine Chapel, to Pring, and his own mother, Amanda. Now let's look at these characters to explore the episode. Okay, so let's first look at Spock. It's obvious the writers of Strange New Worlds have decided to take Spock and make him their go-to character for comedy. So far, it's worked during both seasons. There's a statement that goes, comedy is tragedy that happens to other people. And along those same lines, the great comic actor, director, producer, writer, Mel Brooks once said, tragedy is what happens to me, comedy is what happens to you. If that's true, then that explains why charades is so funny. Spock's suffering is potentially tragic for him, but it's absolutely hilarious for us. Charades has a plot structure written much like a French farce. A straight-laced character, Spock, has to perform flawlessly during an important event, the Vashal dinner rituals, while he is in a weakened state, in this case, fully human. The comedy is created by watching him struggle to hide his condition while doing everything he can to perform perfectly. This is the same premise in uh, like a screwball comedy. Um, one, for instance, is Carrie, the Cary Grant, uh, Catherine Hepburn vehicle, Bringing Up Baby. Just to raise the anxiety level even higher, we learn from Amanda that if Spock fails to execute the rituals flawlessly, there are many negative outcomes, not just for himself, but for T'Pring and Spock's parents as well. Causing them pain, humiliation, or social isolation adds to the tension. Since becoming fully human, Spock has been feeling the emotional highs and lows equivalent to that of a teenager going through puberty. Everything in, is the end of the world for him, yet everyone around Spock is attempting to establish a state of normality. And any deviation, no matter how small, such as the shape of his eyebrows or the haircut being altered, is a potential landmine for him. And yet, what really justifies all of the anguish he endures are the important insights Spock receives because of this experience. He has a new understanding of his mother's journey on Vulcan. Also, even though the situation ends with T'Pring and Spock taking a break from their relationship, he comes away understanding the conflictive feelings he has been experiencing. Finally, 
because he has taken time to explore those conflicted feelings. Spock is better prepared to acknowledge how intense his feelings are for Christine. Right. That moment in the corridor when he sees Chapel after she's been denied the fellowship at the Vulcan Science Academy, he shows real compassion for her. He hugs her. He puts her in a position that that he would not have been able to do if he were his regular self. Ethan Peck plays all of this with a very keen sense of comic timing, as well as emotional sincerity. Whether he's gobbling down multiple strips of bacon, expressing his feelings of sexual arousal unexpectedly when he's talking to Laon, or trying to navigate his difficult conversation with Dupring, Peck handles everything with great skill. I can't wait to see how the threads of this story play out in the tapestry of the character's development throughout the rest of the season. And hopefully we'll see how Spock is destined to become over time. So now let's turn to Christine Chapel. One of the major improvements of Strange New Worlds has offered longtime fans is a fuller examination of some of the legacy characters from the original series. One in particular who has benefited from this is Nurse Christine Chapel. As played by Major Barrett, she was a one-note spinster defined more by her failed relationships with men than for her own medical expertise. Initially, she's introduced to us as the fiancé of Dr. Roger Corby, a prominent scientist who, it turns out, has died and replaced himself with an android version. Needless to say, the relationship didn't end well. Yeah, that's the best way of putting it. <laughs> the other man in Chapel's life was the Enterprise's first officer, Mr. Spock. Chapel was defined as carrying a flame for a man who would never return her affections. Not that Spock was incapable of falling in love with a woman. He just didn't want Chapel. In fact, the t- two of the three characters Major Barrett originated in the franchise, Nurse Chapel and Laksana Troy, were women who endlessly chased after men they could never have. It must have been especially of hers, I suppose. <laughs> in contrast, Jess Bush as Chapel is a bright and intelligent person who has agency of her own. She is shown to be a partner with Dr. Mbenga. She has strong bonds of friendship with both male and female crew members. Spock's feelings towards Christine are justified. She is an attractive, dynamic person. You can see why he finds her appealing. Christine's compassion for Spock of Vulcan. At the same time, other members of the Vulcan Science Council are showing her nothing but contempt is yet another example of how she is able to distinguish between members of the same group, something the Vulcans fail to do so regularly. Our only concern is that Strange New World writers continue to allow her to develop her medical expertise and her research expertise so that she doesn't turn into a one-note character uh, where the one note is her love for Spock. That's the way they treated Uhura as played by Zoe Saldana in the Abrams films. That version of the communications officer became nothing but Spock's girlfriend. Yep. One of the reasons why I hate those films. Okay, let's move on to T'Pring. 
Spock and Dupring learned much about one another last season when they shared their katras in an experience designed to deepen their relationship. And not to be funny, but it's logical for Dupring to assume that their trust in one another would be stronger following that encounter. Yet, she finds that Spock entrusted the entire bridge crew of the Enterprise and the senior medical staff, as well as his mother with assisting him in trying to pull off the dinner, but not his fiancée. Spock chose not to lean in on the trust he built with T'Pring and share the truth about his condition with her. Instead, he kept that knowledge from her because he thought it would be too burdensome for her while dealing with the pressures of her overbearing mother. Basically, Spock treated T'Pring not as an equal partner, but as one who needs to have her decisions made for her. T'Pring has every right to be angry, it will be interesting to see how their relationship evolves or further erodes yeah. over time. Yeah, I, I think I know how this one's going to go. <laughs> I think we've, we've seen it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You kind of, but, but, but one thing is for sure from this episode, you see how the T'Pring we met in a muck time. In, in the original series, right. Becomes the person that he's dealing with. Right. Because that her, all of her actions in that episode are very much byproducts of having been raised by Tapril. <laughs> okay, let's move on to Amanda. Star Trek has provided us with many subtle takes on interracial relationships over the time, but one that has gone completely unexplored until now has been what Amanda's life on Vulcan looked like. Of course, we've seen Amanda play the dutiful wife of Ambassador Sarek and the doting, empathetic mother of both Spock and Michael. However, this is the first time we've gotten to see her interactions with other Vulcans directly. The most telling scene for Amanda in the entire episode is the one where she is teaching Spock the Vashal dinner ritual of serving tea. While he reacts negatively to touching the scalding hot metal pot to pour the tea, she follows behind him and picks it up effortlessly without a display of discomfort. She tells him, One thing I've learned about being a human on Vulcan is how to suppress my own pain. The statement and scene demonstrates her willingness to subjugate her own need for a sense of inclusion within Vulcan society for the love of Sarek and their family. And finally, we want to talk about one last subject that's kind of over, overarching on the episode. It's uh, culture versus genetics. The assumption of this episode is that a person is the sum total of their genetic makeup. The episode treats Spock, a child of two species, human and Vulcan, as if he were composed of the same way we would follow a recipe for a chocolate cake. Any ingredient removed or changed, such as the type of flour used, would fundamentally change that cake. Likewise, within this episode, if you remove Spock's Vulcan DNA and replace it with more human DNA, then he would fundamentally be changed as a 100% human. But that's not how it works. 
Humans are the culmination of both nature and nurture, education and experience. Living in a Vulcan culture shaped Spock as much as his genes did. Spock adopted a hairstyle, speech pattern, and other social behaviors because they were accepted within Vulcan society. The more acceptance he received, the more he adopted those behaviors. So even if Spock lost all Vulcan genetic material, he would still be partly Vulcan based on his learned behaviors, traditions, and beliefs that would shape his identity. Both Spock's mother and his sister, Michael, were introduced to Vulcan culture after first being raised in human communities. There were human patterns of behavior they had to abandon or alter to get along. They both made a decision to adopt Vulcan cultural behaviors and mannerisms as a way to seek acceptance from within Vulcan society. But as we see in charades, although Amanda made a choice to suffer slights and insults, said directly to her that no human would ever tolerate without some reaction, however minimal, that sacrifice sometimes goes unnoticed. I had my doubts, Spock, but despite many faults beyond your control, you have completed the required steps of our agreement. Thank you, T'Pral. That must have been very difficult for you to say. Many faults beyond my control. Your Vulcan nature is diluted, so it must have been challenging to hold on to your logical side. I am impressed that you achieved this despite your handicap. Because it would have been impossible for a human to have gone through this ritual successfully. Without question. What are you doing? So, it must be a great embarrassment to know that this entire ritual was performed by a human, not a Vulcan. Is this part of charades? How many syllables did this human use? Seven. I am the human. Spock. You referred to my human side as a handicap. Yet my mother is the most resilient, compassionate, person I've known. One who has been judged by Vulcans her entire life. And yet she stands by for love, for family, for me. That is no handicap. That is true strength. And I am sorry that it has taken until now for me to speak these words to you. And now our final thoughts. Charades is one of the big swings that was alluded to when the Strange New World showrunners and cast members began promoting season two. Much like Spock Amuck from last season, the humor is based on putting a compromised Spock in a difficult situation that he, nonetheless, is still expected to succeed at. Charades also provides us in with a closer look into Vulcan culture. And finally, it offers Spock key insights into his closest relationships, which had been previously unaware to him. Okay, so now let's move to our bits and pieces segment, this time entitled, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner? 
Christine's prep for her fellowship included memorizing Dr. Roger Corby's three principles of archaeological medicine. This is the first strange New Worlds era reference to Corby. As stated earlier, eventually he becomes Christine Chapel's romantic partner and fiance in the years ahead of what's our little girls made of. The original series episode, which is uh, the ninth episode from season one. Considering other developments in Chapel's love life, we're intrigued as to how he'll fit in here. And just for those of you who don't know, the Corby principles are... Medicine is always ancient and new as cultures understand what medicine is changes over time. The keys to solving are often found by looking backwards. And the third principle, as a result, archaeological medicine is as much a study of history as it is of science. Now, the Kokovian moon was said to be orbiting Iridani B, which is one of the 40 celestial bodies in the Iridani triple star system. 40 Iridani A has already been established as the star for the planet Vulcan. Pike wore his green variant tunic, but this time it has a more formal look. The style was first seen in season one with a similar tunic later seen on Kirk in the original series. We are reminded in this episode that Vulcans use nasal suppressants around humans. This was established in Star Trek Enterprise when DePaul explains it to Archer. Ortega saying, hold on to your butts, was referencing the exact same line delivered by Samuel L. Jackson in Jurassic Park. Pike told Amanda that Paleo was off dealing with a dilithium shortage, which could be setting up a plot line to be later explored. Hiding his Vulcan ears with a knit cap was likely an, an homage to Spock hiding his Vulcan ears with a knit cap in the original series episode, City on the Edge of Forever. Also, Spock's hat ploy with its mother is a clear homage to the multiple occurrences of Vulcan ears being hidden with beanies or other caps, though this time with a twist, it's to hide his lack of pointed ears. The episode also mentioned the ongoing rift between Spock and Sarek, which won't be resolved, as you know, until Journey to Babel, an episode set eight years into the future in the original series. Pike's delight at watching Spock taste bacon, while a funny moment to some, maybe would seem kind of cruel, given how much we know that Vulcans detest eating animal flesh yeah yeah i think he found he acquired a taste and see those that's the kind of thing that would happen if you were dealing with the culture you had been exposed to it all your life you would you wouldn't be able to hold down that okay let's go to star trek news right so the first thing is ready room in the latest installment host will wheaton held an interview with actor Jess Bush, who plays Nurse Chapel in Strange New Worlds. Featurettes included the process behind 
the creation of the Vishal dinner as seen in the latest episode. There is also another video featuring Ethan Peck concerning the human side of Spock. And the Ready Room concluded with a preview of next week's episode for Strange New Worlds entitled Lost in Translation. Okay, next we need to talk about the SAG after strike. The contract between the Screen Actors Guild and American Federation of Television and Radio Artists and the American Motion Picture and Television Producers expired at midnight on Wednesday, July 12th. The next day, the striking artists joined the picket line with members of the Writers Guild of America who have been on strike since May 2nd. Due to the ongoing strike, you should not expect to see any actors, including Star Trek actors, promoting any films or television shows, network or streaming for the foreseeable future. This includes live appearances on television shows, web series, or conventions. Next up, the 2023 Emmy Award nominations. Concerning the Emmy Awards, the Star Trek series, like most other science fiction shows, were shut out of the big categories with the exception of the creative arts categories. This year, only Star Trek Picard is being considered for two awards for nominations in next for our standing contemporary makeup, non-prosthetic, and outstanding prosthetic makeup. The 2023 Creative Arts Emmy Awards are currently scheduled to take place at the Peacock Theater over two consecutive nights on Saturday, September 9th and Sunday, September 10th. However, it may be postponed or canceled if the SAG-AFTRA and Writers Guild strike is still going on. Okay, and now for a sad note. This has to do with Manny Cotto. Emmy Award winning writer, producer, director Manny Cotto, whose credits include 24 and his sequels, 24 Live Another Day and 24 Legacy, as well as American Horror Story and Dexter, died Sunday, July 10th in Pasadena, California. He was 62 years old. He's probably best known to Star Trek fans for his work on the final two seasons of Star Trek Enterprise. Concerning taking over Enterprise as the showrunner in season four, Kodo said that his gig represented a full circle moment for him, for he grew up watching the original series and reruns as a kid. Adele and I both feel that season four was the best season of Enterprise consistently with the exception of maybe the last episode. And we were sorry the series was canceled after showing so much promise in such a shorter span of time. He even had some ideas for season five, which would have introduced the Gorn and other elements from the original series that would have been revised. And we know that the lead uh, of Enterprise... Scott Bakula? Yeah, was really upset about... The, right, the the series being canceled because he he felt like the series had finally found its footing. Yeah, and he was looking forward to other uh, seasons. It but. did. It found its footing because Rick Berman and and Brian Braga stopped writing. Right, right, and Manny Cotto. <laughs> and Manny Koenig took over, right. and he actually shaped episodes that had some quality to them. Right. So, born in Havana, Cuba, Manuel Hector Cotto was one of. The, Prime Time's most prominent Latino writers and showrunners. 
He shared the Outstanding Drama Series Emmy in 2005 for seasons five of 24 and co-created 24 Legacy. Cotto also spent four seasons as executive producer of American Horror Story and also ex executive produced two seasons of American Horror Stories, directing the 2021 episode, Feral. News of Cotto's death was concerned confirmed by a family representative. Cotto died after a 13-month battle with pancreatic cancer mm. and passed away at his home, surrounded by his family. Oh, I mean, it's so sad. It is. Know? And he was very talented, too. Yeah. So in closing, we'll, we'll be back next week with a review of the sixth episode of Strange New World Season 2, entitled Lost in Translation. Before we sign off, we would like to remind you to share a link to Age of Discovery with people you know who enjoy Star Trek as well. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a comment over on iTunes for us. It can help us out with attracting attention and new listeners. Until that time. Like and subscribe. Follow Star Trek Age of Discovery on Twitter and Instagram at Star Trek AOD. Also threads at Star Trek AOD. Facebook at Facebook.com Star Trek AOD. At our website, Star Trek AOD.net where we offer additional articles on Star Trek canon, interesting sidebar issues, and other aspects of the show. You can also email the show at StarTrekAOD at gmail.com. But until then, live long and prosper.